Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a film company, film production company based out of Sacramento, California, founded by yours truly back in the year of 2007 with my first film that I did then, uh, The Last Road to Hell, all the way up to about uh, 2016 or so, 17, with uh, Mondo Visions, uh, was the last completed film, did on that, and uh, presently writing a couple films, and going to start back up again, doing the um, Jess Franco style of shooting, which brings us to this, episode 30, Sadistic Sadist Erotica, uh, 1967, uh, film number 16. Um, this one is one that he filmed back-to-back, which I was just speaking of. This is uh, about the second time he did that. He got the idea I've read from when he did the two Zorro films, worked on the two Zorro films back-to-back earlier. And this is one of the first films that he did back-to-back, so this would start his style of doing multiple films uh, right next to each other and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, so this is going to be basically, uh, I'm going to kind of be going in order, but uh, with this, episode 30, uh, film 30 would be Vampiros Lesbos, but uh, we already did that episode, uh, let's see, that would be back in episode 12, we did film 30, so to keep everything back in order again, we're going with this um, entry for episode 30, it's this film 16. Uh, Sadist Erotica is basically... The second film in the Red Lips, um, the Red Lips films, uh, the Red Lips team. He started that with uh, his second film, Operation Red Lips, uh, like, like 1960, I think, yeah, 1960. And uh, so he goes back to that team for this one. Um, this is the first one, Sadist Erotica. Let's see, get you all the good information and credits and all that stuff. This is a uh, Spanish and West German production, 1967. Original theatrical title in country of origin, um, El Caso de las Dobelares, uh, The Case of the Two Beauties. Uh, let's see. And then we have the German, um, Red Lips, Sadist Erotica, Rautleipen Sadist Erotica. Then we have alternative titles, uh, Sadist Erotica, two words instead of one for the U.S. theatrical poster. German video is uh, titled The Wolf. Der Wolf, um, German video is uh, Rot Lippen, and the U.S. DVD title, which is what I'm watching, the Blue Underground one, uh, it's, it's titled uh, Two Undercover Angels. So let's see. Uh, production companies, Film Montana, Madrid. And then we have Aquila Films, Enterprises of Munich. Uh, theatrical distributors, Rosa Films out of Barcelona, Alpha Films, West Germany, Joseph Green Pictures, New York, and Atlas International, Munich International Sales. Shooting date on this is um, like September to October of 1967. Um, he got the certificate in November of 68. And the West German release on this was finally uh, later in March 28th of 69. So, like, uh, shit, almost about a whole year and a couple months, year and four or five months before this was put out uh, for West Germany. And then Barcelona, April 7th of 69, and then Seville, May 3rd, 69, Madrid, um, August 18th, 69, and then finally played the United States of America in November of 1972, um, about three years later, 
after three and a half years later after it played in Germany. So almost four years after it was completed. Uh, then it played USA, Hackensack, New Jersey, uh, November 22nd, 1972. And that's basically when it did the USA run. Uh, theatrical running time, Spain, 79 minutes. West Germany, 79 minutes. Uh, let's see, cast and crew. Cast, Janine Renan plays Diane. Rosanna Yanni plays Regina. Uh, Countess Anastasia de Santos. Adrian Hoven plays Mr. Raddick, also known as Klaus Tiller, also known as The Master. Anna Casares plays Raddick's assistant. Chris Howard plays Inspector Francis Malou of Interpol. Marcello Arotia Yaguare plays Inspector Tanner. Marta Reves, Rivas plays Rivas. Michael Amo plays Morpho. Uh, Manuela Otivera plays Vittoro. Freda the Playboy. Maria Antoine, Maria Antonia Redondo plays Linda Regenier, House of Dore model. Vicente Roca plays Grubinaldi's assistant. Elsa Zabala, Elsa Zabala plays the head of the House of Dore. Alexander Engel plays Albert Grimaldi, gallery owner. Anna Puertolos is also in it. Okay. Uncredited, Jess Franco as Napoleon Boulevard. Boulevard. Dorit Dome plays dancer and victim of Raddick. Carl Heinz Machkin plays a critic at Gallery of Fulu. Antonio Arrego plays a gallery guest. Vicente Molini Fue plays Tanner's assistant. Manuel Velasco plays man-watching dancer at Flamingo Club Hotel Receptionist. Two roles. Uh, credits directed by, of course, Mr. Jess Franco. Story idea by Carl Heinz Machkin. Screenplay and dialogue, Jess Franco and Luis Revenja. German adaptation is uh, Gerd Hoffman. Um, let's see, who else does he have here? Skip through all these art directors and production supervisors. Um, it's funny, looking at the credits on these earlier Franco films, he has a much bigger cast and crew, and as he goes through in the 70s, his, his crew and cast shrink dramatically. Um, so yeah, we told you... Um, Actors, producers, dates of filming, uh, release dates. We told you that. Different titles. Submit that to you. DVD releases. Yeah, I got the uh, two disc special edition of the two undercover angels and Kiss Me Monster, the Blue Underground release from on DVD from uh, 2006, Blue Underground, and uh, that's what we got on that. Um, I'm going to be uh, joined on this one by a uh, third-time guest, Zoom guest from Los Angeles, California, Miss Colisini, and uh, she had picked this for the review. She had actually picked Kiss Me Monster and watched Sadist Erotica, and I had a feeling, because uh, her and I, it's funny, trying to get together to do these films, we always have a problem with the film that we pick. There's always a caveat to it or a different version or something. We had that with Other Side of the Mirror. And so I held off watching Kiss Me Monster and then realized the description she told me was um, Sadist Erotica. So I'm glad I held off. So I'm going to be watching that after I um, record this portion. So yeah, let me give you some notes and stuff on this. Production notes. Uh, just a few weeks after the Berlin screening... Let's start that again. Just a few weeks after the Berlin screening of Necronomicon, Franco was behind the camera again, for the first time shooting two films back-to-back, an idea he picked up from working on Joaquin Romero 
March creates twin Zorro films in 62. A Caso de la Dolas Bezaras and Besame Mostro, a matching pair cut from the same cloth that featured the return of the Red Lips duo, first seen, though played by different actresses, and Labios Rojos, 1960. Production of the first, Ocaso de la Dobaras, was announced by the Spanish press beginning mid-September of 1967, allowing for a six-week shoot at most. That means that Besame Mostro, which began shooting the moment El Caso was finished, must have started in November or December of 67. Certainly, they're both completed by May of 68. Uh, let's see. Um... Of course, information on this comes from Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thrower, which is the source uh, guide that we pull 90% of the information from, at least, um, and all the other things. So, But uh, let's see, what else does he have to say about this? Um, let's see. He has... That it's a really good spy spoof, that there's he has a better control of the... Uh, humor angle of the film that he had in the past. Franco on screen, screen plays um, uh, Napoleon Bolivard, a night attendant who looks after the modern art collection, surveying the various female sculptures in their postures of agony before muttering, disgusting. Fresh-faced and healthy, Franco looks as full of the joys of living here as we'll ever see him on screen. Cast and crew. The most interesting of the supporting cast is the multi-talented Mikel Lemoine, actor, writer, and director, almost unrecognizable here as the lycanthrope Morpho. Lemoine turned writer-director in the 70s, 1970s, and went to make and went on to make a trio of erotic films starring himself and Janine Renault. Wie Kurtz Eats du Zeit zu Leibn, 1970, Mariana Bouquet, 1972, The Bitches, 1973. Before moving on to mainstream erotica with La Confonsai Erotiques de un le trop aculante, nineteen seventy three, and the amusing Euro horror oddity Les Vikings, Malefice de Count Zaroff, nineteen seventy six. Victoro is supposed to be a sexy Italian Lothario, but Brazilian born Manolo's dubbed accent veers more toward Pakistani. Producer Carl Heinz Matchkin can be glimpsed and heard briefly in the gallery below, playing an art critic. Um, music, the American scores by Jerry Von Royon, and the Spanish um, scores by Fernando Garcia Morcello. Um, the Spanish score is less exciting, leaning on slower jazz numbers, while the American score is the more superior um, swinging, sexy, full of fun type score. Studios. This was filmed at the uh, Estudio Roma in Madrid. Locations. Uh, the Red Lips girls live at the La Torre de Cabo Ro, a converted military warehouse uh, watchtower on Calle de Torin, about 50 miles south of Alicante. There are numerous examples of these structures dot along the coast of southern Spain, many of them built in the 16th century to guard against attacks by Barbary pirates. Other Spanish exteriors were filmed at La Manga de la Mar Menor, Belenero de Fortuna, Achena, Portman, Madrid, and Barbella, with additional shooting in Munich. Connections. This freewheeling comedy reaches all the way back to Franco's second film, La Beos Rojo, 
reviving the notion of two beautiful f- female private investigators operating outside the law but on the side of the angels. The film owes a major debt to Roger Corman's A Bucket of Blood, 1959, with its dead bodies turning turned into sculptures, and probably coincidentally recalls Herschel Gordon Lewis's Color Me Blood Red, 1965, with his artist who needs real human blood to capture his artistic muse effectively on on canvas. Uh, Breaking the fourth wall will become a regular habit for Franco. Here, Regina gazes at the camera in mock outrage as she's about to rise nude from her bed and says, A girl can't get out of bed without anything on. A negligee is handed to her from off-camera as the screen continues. A notion of a woman posing as a statue before attacking a man is borrowed and approved upon from Attack of the Robots. There are three werewolves on the loose in Franco's cinema, and one of them turns up here. The others are in Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, 1971, and in a blink-and-you'll-miss-him appearance, The Lustful Amazon, 1973. Oddly, it's this one, played by Michel Lemoyan, who is a otherwise knockabout comedy who's actually the most frightening. The Flamingo Club, a recurring Franco nightclub venue, appears again, as do the names Morpho, Tanner, and Raddick. For the first time, we meet a policeman called Melu, a name destined to crop up several times in Franco's films of the 1970s. There's basically two cuts of this, the American cut, Sadist Erotica, and the Spanish cut, El Caso de la Desbelaris, several ways. Um, it's cut a little bit more on the Spanish one compared to the American one. Yeah, so they talk about how um, there's the two different cuts of it, Spanish cut and the American cut. Um, the Spanish cut, of course, cuts some of the more, uh, the nudity and some of the part during the um, Attack of the Wolf, I guess the second one, the first one. So I'm going to check that out here as I wrap this portion up. Uh, let's see. I don't know if there's a trailer for this. Let me check. Uh, yeah, there is a trailer. So I will definitely put a trailer on here right after this portion, and then we'll go right into the review uh, with myself and Kali Sini. And uh, we'll knock that out, and I uh, hope you enjoy that. So, yeah, check that out. It should be fun. Looking forward to watching it. Uh, you can get a hold of us if you want to reach out to us. You could please do so at francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on Fra- uh, Facebook at Franco Observer Podcast. We have a page there. And you can get a hold of us at, uh, let's see, Facebook and then also Instagram. You can get a hold of us at Franco Observer Podcast there. And, uh check out all the cool pictures and everything I post all the time, and you can also drop messages and all that good stuff there. Uh, Please download episodes, please subscribe, please tell all your friends, all that good stuff. Uh, Numbers go up every week, every month, so that helps us very much so, and I do appreciate that part. So yeah, um, keep up the good work, I'll keep up the good work, and uh, let's try to tackle all these Franco films, because they are all amazing, and he is an amazing dude. So yeah, we like to always... uh, Mission statement here is praise and in memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. So, after you listen to this, go watch a Jess Franco film. I had reserved a room under the name of James Bond. How come the name James Bond? One doesn't notice we're from the police. you wanted to earn some money. You should think of Hollywood. We need diamonds as big as nuts.
What should I do? My name is Anastasia Dos Santos, and I am the Countess de la Contagia and the Marquesa Cumbre Sadinas. I would like to buy pictures, and you, you will really help me. I will pay you any price for it. I will do anything for the one who fulfills my heart's desire. Some imagination. One could imagine that. And I thought you didn't want a fully dressed His countess. Real name is. Oh! oh come on. Is that it? Don't make a move. As you can see, I'm punctual. I have something for you, Inspector Tanner. Yes. And listen to me very well. I sent to you by mail the solution to a very important case. Naturally, there's no point to it if you don't even read the mail. What did you tell the police? Uh, truthfully, truthfully, I I wouldn't say anything. Uh, Mary, Mary. for days without a break, knocking around with Italian playboys here, seducing grandfathers, and you lie in the sun and watch over your luxurious body. And here I will create my masterpiece with you. You made one mistake. Too many of my friends know that I am here. Sorry, but they can't help you. Marfo! <laughs> And there's something else I know too. You have unhappily fallen in love with this girl, whom I shall now arrest. Oh, from an unknown admirer! Isn't that wonderful? It must be from Malou. There's something ticking inside of it. What are you doing? There's something inside with them. They're mine. They're mine. Come back. Come back. So get down. Oh, such a dirty deal! And I was just at the hairdresser. Oh, we had luck. Give me your telephone number. You're a policeman. Look for me, and if you find me, you can keep me. Hey, buddies! Welcome once again to the Frank Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions. And I am coming to you today from Sacramento, California, like usual. And uh, for this special episode, episode 30, film 16, I asked a friend to come on board and uh, talk about Jess Franco with me again. And she's a huge Jess Franco fanatic. And uh, her name is Miss Collie Sini. Hello, Collie. Hi. How are you? I'm back. <laughs> I'm uh, you just had your birthday yesterday, so um, happy belated birthday again. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. So you so you watched uh, some Jess Franco for did you watch him on your birthday or was it the night before? Um, well, you know today's his uh, uh, passing, death yeah. day, <laughs> passing day. So yeah, I, uh, I I watched it today. To okay, so you watched it. Memory. So you watched it both times today, or did you watch one today and then one last night, or? 
Um, oh, yeah, no, I watched him back to back. I told you I watched it twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just played it through and kind of felt like I might have missed some stuff. So I just played it again just to let it sink in my my uh, hungover brain. <laughs> so it's funny before we start this episode and go on proper and stuff. It's funny. We always have this weird like. Uh, misconnection when it comes to Jess Franco films. We always pick a film and then there's always something like missing about it or something tied up. So on the first one was the other (laughs) side of the mirror. And of course there's like three or four versions of that. And you had one version and I had another, but we could still talk about it. So we did that. And then we had, uh, had, uh, what was the second one was um, uh, cries of pleasure. But before that it was another film we had talked about doing. And then, that didn't work out. And then you had asked about doing um, Virgin Mon Living Dead. And I have that coming up in a few episodes, so we couldn't do that. And then he said, okay, how about Kiss Me Monster? I said, okay, we'll do that. And then a little light in the back of my head like said, hold off, Jason. Don't watch it yet. Make sure you ask her again and talk to her and figure it out. Just to be safe. Just to be perfectly safe and secure. <laughs> so that little light told me, yeah, give her, give her an email and ask her. So then she told me about it. And then I was like, Oh shit, that's Sadist Erotica, also known as Two Undercover Angels. So I'm glad I held off watching it, and I had wanted to watch that instead, because uh, that's the first film, and I'm glad that you had watched that by accident uh, instead of Kiss Me Monster. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I still want to, I'm actually probably going to watch Kiss Me Monster after this, just because they're supposed to be, like, kind of tied together. And I yeah, it, it's, uh, from what I've been reading, it's a lesser film. He filmed these two back to back. He filmed yeah. this, this one that we that we watched and then he did the other one when that wrapped, he immediately started filming the second one. Uh, this is the first of his films that he shot back to back. Uh, before that he was just shooting one film at a time. And what's cool is I was reading that he had learned that method by working on these two Zorro films that he shot with another director earlier. Cause this is like his um, 16th film by this time. So before this, he did one Zorro and another guy did a Zorro and he get credited for the second one. But so he kind of learned that method of shooting back to back. And then what's cool about this is one gal disguises herself as Zorro with the black kind of the outfit with her eyes seeing yeah. and, and hitting. So as I watched that, I caught that little in joke. I'm like, oh, cool, Zorro. And they filmed this back to back, like the Zorro movies that he did. So that's his little Zorro touch in there. But uh, and then also, too, this there was a original Red Lips film called um, um, La Bijos. Um, Rojos from 1960 and that's his second film that he did and so that's the first Red Lips film um, and that's on YouTube um, you can watch that and find that from what I've been hearing there's a Spanish cut on there with English subtitles so if you're curious okay. it's the first official Red Lips film that would be that one yeah tell me about the Red Lips because I, I don't even know what that is I'm actually staring at the Red Lips on my other screen right now because the where the movie just ended it shows the Red Lips yeah and which is a cool I, touch. what is that about what does that mean well the Red Lips girls are basically like they're basically two agents that work undercover uh, they used to be you don't know if they used to be cops or if they just fight on the side of angels they basically are good per people they work undercover. They're kind of like private detectives. You know, that lady took money to find that missing woman is part of the deal in the film that we'll talk about as we go through the film, you know, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of those characters, the red lips girls. So they did that. And then he took that idea and made these two films back to back. And then that was the end of that. But there's a film later on called uh, two female spies with flowered panties that he did. Yeah, I love that one. 
And I thought that was a Red Lips film. And upon reading about it and researching it, it's similar where there's like two female agents and stuff, but it's not a Red Lips movie, but it's kind of the same idea, you know? So there's just two Red Lips movies. Three. The first one from 1960, The Bios oh. Rojos. And then oh, right, the one that, that we just are the two, uh, okay. two undercover agents or angels and then um, Kiss Me Monster. Okay, cool. So just cool. the three, basically. Awesome. So, yeah. So, but yeah, so that's cool. So this one, uh, I'm going to read the brief synopsis and then we'll kind of talk about the movie and go through what we watched and, and uh, all that good stuff. Um, in the latest of a string of murders, um, Lita, a fashion model, is abducted, molested, and murdered by a hairy-faced monster man called Morpho <laughs> while a mystery observer takes photos. Radic, a rich art dealer and Lita's lover, offers Diana and her best friend Regina, who together work as a crime-fighting duo called Red Lips, a considerable sum if they can solve the crime. They set to work investigating the disappearance of eight girls in similar circumstances. Diana breaks into an art gallery and steals a painting, pulling off the theft under the nose of night watchman Napoleon Boulevard by pretending to be a sculptor but before knocking him out cold. After Boulevard reports the assault to the police, he's murdered by the mystery photographer, a bearded man wearing an eye patch. The painting Diana had stolen by an artist called Klaus Tiller appears to depict Lita, the most recent victim, in a posture of agony. Suspecting that the artist may have something to do with the crimes, the Red Lips duo decide to track him down. At first, it's difficult. Tiller is a recluse who refuses to meet his public. Regina seduces Tiller's agent, Albert Garibaldi by posing as a fabulous rich art buyer and manages to extract from him the fact that Tiller is a pseudonym, but before Garibaldi can reveal the artist's real name, he is murdered by a blow dart. Complicating the Red Lips investigations are Vittorio Freda, an Italian playboy who tries to get off with them, and Inspector Ballou of Interpol, who suspects they know more than they're telling. And among the rag bag of suspects and bystanders, not everyone is what they seem. So uh, tell me, what did you think about the film? I, I love it. Um, I, it. It's silly and campy and, and all that. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> I, I like how goofy it is. And uh, I, I like the, um, the thing that I really love is the art. I really yeah. like like the, I love, I get it, it, it. I feel inspired. Like I want to like, you know, maybe like paint a picture of every like kill of the, of the next movies that I watch or something. Like, I love that he has all these pictures of the women that he murders, you know, that's it's, and he paints it or he photo has photographs and there's, there's all these different mediums too. I like that. There's like every kind of medium to show the lady's death. And that, that's my favorite part of it was just like looking at the art. There's one scene where she's talking to the guy about buying it. And there's that picture behind where she's, um, the woman is like reaching with her arms like this, oh, like, yeah, right, up, right. you know, and she's, uh, you know, it looks like she's screaming, trying to get away, but it's just in silhouette. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's so cool. It's like, I'm like mesmerized by that. Like that's rad art. Like I wish I had that in my house. Like all the art is, is actually really cool. <laughs> I like that you brought up the mixed medium part. Cause I didn't think about that, how there's statues, there's paintings, there's uh, different styles of the paintings and that. And that, and that's almost like film, how in film there's a lot of mixed mediums. You have music and you have the photography and you have the acting and you have, 
other things, the landscape and all the other things. And that's kind of like film, which made me think of film too. Like when the photographer was taking the pictures of the women being murdered by the monster. I mean, that's just like a filmmaker shooting a picture with a monster and a beautiful girl. And he's shooting the monster killing her. That's, and they're making a movie. basically. Yeah. So (laughs) all that kind of fits together and about, Hey, he uses people. And it's cool. Like he used the idea from a bucket of blood, I believe it is by Corman where, they put the people in the statues after they kill their bodies, you know, that's oh, yeah. from, you know, they took that from and used it on this. And there's a few cool. things that I saw that I liked, but, uh, so yeah, so what I'm gonna do is, uh, I'm going to kind of go through the film as I kind of scene by scene and we're going to talk about it. Um, actually, but before that, I'm going to hit the list real quick, uh, because there's quite a bit on this. Um, Number one on my list is body of water. There's really no body of water until like almost toward the end. I was like waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally there's a scene, which I won't give it away because we'll talk about it, where a guy escapes and he jumps on a bicycle and he like pedals away real fast as they're shooting at him. And that scene, you could see the water and there's like a sailboat in that. But previously to that, everything was interior. Everything was like shot inside, all the art gallery, all their rooms and everything. There's well, no this is that part where they go to the beach. That's true. And that's a little bit later on, like when they try to escape and like take a vacation. Yeah. Um, So you have body of water. uh, There's no sailboat, but there's a boat. Uh, We have palm trees, Um, jungle sound effects. Not really. There's a lot of bird sound effects that I caught in some scenes that I was laughing about. Uh, Number six, chained up person. Yes. Uh, The art gallery, there's a lot of the chained up displays. And then the redheaded lady is chained up at the end when she's held captive. Um, and then they literally um, unshackle her when, she, when her arms come down. Um, so, yeah, Just Frank always has like an S&M chaining up sequence in like all of his movies, you know, it seems like. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is awesome. And the, the art of the chicks getting murdered or whatever, they're, they're like bound with the bondage and yeah. stuff too. That, that was cool. Especially that first gal, Lita. That was like one of my favorite sequences. Um, yeah because it looked almost realistic. Um, let's see. Okay, so number seven, we have a dance scene on stage stripping. Yes, there's some cool strip scenes in here. I'll go over a little bit later, but uh, I like the one of the woman crawling on the floor with the red light and the, like, candelabra and the switchblade, the first uh, totally. dancer that we see, you know. Yeah. And the second one inside the cage, of course, that was dancing away, you know. Yeah. It was really cool. That was, great. That was awesome. She and had then, a fun part. Get yeah, she was, then get murdered. <laughs> exactly. Both those gals are very similar. They all, and they almost looked the same. That's why I had to glance because they both had black hair. They both were same kind of tough, bizarre, you know, had the same image. Uh, number eight, club scenes dancing. Yeah, there's a scene where everybody's like in the club and you see everybody slow dancing together and stuff. So we have that. And also, too, later on, uh, when the blonde gal, the red lips goes out with Inspector Maloo, they're dancing in a bar. Uh, number nine, jazz music. There's some really cool music in this film. A lot of cool mm-hmm. jazz stuff, upbeat stuff. Sure. Probably one of the best soundtracks. I, it's his stuff is in this film. Um, number twelve, mirror shots. Yeah, there's quite a few really cool mirror shots that I caught. Uh, they'll go through when we talk about the scenes. But yeah, there's definitely that in here. Um, number thirteen, mind control theme. Not in this film I've caught. Uh, there's no like kind of like hypnotism or mesmerizing or nothing. It's more like kidnapping and killing. And, well, and they that. do get the guy drunk. 
Yeah. And the <laughs> werewolf. You guys, I, they get drunk to like try to extract information. The first guy that she gets drunk to extract that's true. information. That's kind of hypnotizing. That's true. The art dealer and then the uh, Victoria, they basically uh, interrogate him when they pour the alcohol. On yeah. Him. Miss him I mean, morning. that's more like, yeah, just drugging him. But the first guy, like, they're, you know, she, she let's play the game where oh, yeah, I, I ask you a question and yeah. I'll give you a piece of clothes. Like, that's like a woman trying to hypnotize Manipulation. Us. Yeah, that's very true. Well, there you go. Yeah. I stand. Right <laughs> awesome. That's why it's always cool to have another person on because they see things I don't see. So it really works. Um, let's that, see. that scene was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, since this is pre-Lena, uh, there's no magic tongue scenes in this film. So, uh, Number 15, red light. Yeah, there's red light inside the strip club, the Flamingo Club. I caught that. Um, 16, there's no sheepskin rug or no masturbation with a C item. Those are the uh, Irwin C. Dietrich films, the 10 of 12 of those. Uh, number 17, mad scientist. Yes and no. I think there's a mad scientist, but like, I'm curious how the werewolf came to be. They don't really tell right. about it, do they? He's just or, like a he character. He just seems like he has hair growing on it. Like, he doesn't even really seem like a werewolf. He's just like a, like a dude with a lot of hair on his face. I mean, I know he's werewolfy, but not really. Like, I don't well, know. No, I mean, does. I would think he's a werewolf. I mean, he has excessively hairy hands, hairy face. Yeah. And I'm sure if you took his clothes off, he would have that same hair. But they, the budget, they only want to show. You know, I've met some men with excessive hair, though. <laughs> he yeah, just but looks that's like, like primitive. You know. And in the book, they refer to him as a werewolf, not a wolf man, because oh, that's do. universal. So, yeah, so he is a werewolf in this, and he's like the monster. I mean, he's, and yeah. his Morpho, and like, I with love like his name, Dr. Orloff in that, his assistant is always Morpho in that. So, that's his mute assistant, basically. But instead of having a zombie or a mute guy, he has the werewolf, you know. But I'm curious the origins of the werewolf. They don't really go into that, so. Uh, 18 fish tank shots. No, 19 no talking parrots in this one. Uh, number 20 in credits. Yes, there is. Um, number 21. Um, I've actually had two since you've listened. Uh, the last episode we added two new to the list. One when 21 is a uh, handwritten notes. None in this. A lot of his films he'll have uh, handwritten signs on the wall that are really funky, mm -hmm. where it looks like he wrote the name of the club and just pasted it on the wall. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. It wouldn't be like, you know, on this, there was... Nothing well, this like was that. only a 16th film. He was still trying. Like, yeah, and he had a budget on this, so he was okay. But if you watch some of the women yeah. prison movies, the jail cell says, like, the main room is like a cardboard sign with black, you know, chalk. And you're just like, come on, dude. You know, they at least make a sign or something. They, that's yeah. <laughs> and the last one is one my friend Eric noticed. In a lot of his films, there's always a spiral staircase shot. And this film... uh the guy at the patch had a spiral staircase in his house, but they don't show a spiral staircase shot where you see layers oh, right. of stairs. It, but it's yeah. one of those cool 60s, like, yeah. really things in the room. I love those. Yeah, Franco does that in, like, all of his films. And this one, there is a spiral staircase, but not. We don't see anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this starts off with um, a cool fashion show, and you see this beautiful woman named Lita in the dress, and she's, like, doing this deal. And um, yeah. Uh, Mr. Raddick is uh, a gal that asks about her, and I guess she used to date him or she did a shoot with him or something. And Mr. Raddick tries to ask her boss to try to have her talk to him. She's like, and she says, well, Mr. Raddick gives me a lot of business, and I kind of owe him, so I kind of want you to try to talk to him for me and stuff. So um, 
Okay, so now what's weird is, okay, I watched, my version was Two Undercover Angels. Your version, what, did you, what was yours titled as? Was um, it Sedist Erotica or? Um, oh, it, you know, it's weird. It had like a funny, um, I was trying to look for the title card and I didn't even see the title on like, I, um, even on my second watch, it said like Adrian or something presents. And I, so you I, might have the Spanish version because now the English version during the sequence where um, before the werewolf attacks her, it cuts to a weird like title card sequence where there's a bunch of pictures and then it says two undercover angels and it has all the stuff put in right in that sequence before the werewolf attacks Lita. It says English version. Um, idea by Jess Frank. Oh yeah. Two undercover angels. There it is. Okay. It so you have that one. Then. Okay. So it's okay. the same. Yeah. Cause what's weird is the Spanish title sequence is after that scene. So in this, it's a weird thing. It's like before she's attacked, that credit sequence comes in and it's really like a weird place for it to start. You start watching, you're like, the fuck you know yeah it's here it's, it's yeah weird. it's pretty strange it's sloppily done yeah um, so then after that the werewolf attacks the sexy Lita i had written down um and uh there's a sequence so that's the first nudity in the film uh and basically there's a sequence where she's tied up and she's wearing like a corset and part of her boob comes out her nipple and the guy's like attacking her as the guy's taking a picture and she's like screaming and stuff, and he's clawing her and stuff, and then it and then it ends, you know. Um, and uh, so that was at five minutes forty seconds. We always do the running like, count. What a funny team that is, though. You know, just like you've got a werewolf, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna bring people for you to kill, and I'm just gonna take pictures or like paint it or something. Like I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> on the first one, he like takes pictures of the of them in the throes of being killed, and then I guess he paints those pictures later on and does yeah. some galleries and stuff, and then takes the body. But he's very economical. I mean, he uses everything. Like as a hunter, he even uses the body. He uses the body as a statue when he's done. You know, so I mean, yeah. he he gets a lot of work out of the models. I mean, it's not just one piece of art. So you got to give yeah. him credit on that. That's kind of like Jess Franco. He gets a lot out of the actors. You know. If you do one thing, you're doing a lot of, you're doing like three or four films at once. You might not know it, but you are, you know, <laughs> you do all this other stuff. So he gets yeah. a lot out of people. Um, yeah. So yeah, that hey, part, a lot of, I, I'm so excited that now we're going to get to the part where Jess comes, right? Yeah. He's coming really, really fast. Uh, so we have Jess Franco comes in um, as the night watchman in the, ga- in the gallery. And uh, I'm going to have you go ahead and tell me what you thought about that part. Cause you were pretty excited to watch him in that part. You thought he was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I just love seeing him that young. You know, he's all clean shaven and like baby face, totally baby faced. Yeah. <laughs> he's so cute. You just want to squeeze his cheeks. Um, and yeah, and, and even his character is all googly eyed, like, you know, innocent and everything. And, and when he comes in, you know, she's trying to steal the painting and and uh, she's in her cat woman mask, her Zorro mask Zorro, or whatever. Yeah. And um, and uh I mean, I think she's, I thought she was like Catwoman until you told me Zorro. But yeah, like, yeah you know, I felt like, like an executioner at first. And then when I read the Zorro, I was like, oh, duh. And then it totally made yeah. it. And even they call her Zorro later on in the film, you know. Yeah. It, it, so, um, 
he walks by her and she's trying to pretend she's a mannequin and you know she he he sees her flinch and so he turns and round and then she freezes and and he does that a few like a few times until he's finally like trying to like flinch back and forth and he's like going ooh and he's like shaking his hand in front of her face to see if she she'll blink and finally he gives up and turns around and she conks him out but like it was just so cute when he's like ooh. <laughs> Yeah, you like look, and then she'd make a little yes, bit, and he'd turn around, look real fast, try to catch her again, and very much like an old silent comedy kind of pantomime, you know, the statue, the monster, almost like Abbott and Costello as well, you know, that was before this, and that's made me think of that, like where Abbott and Costello, totally. where he sees the monster and he doesn't think he moves, and then the, almost like you know, uh, Dracula coming out of the casket, and then he thinks he sees him, he doesn't, he casket closes real fast, and, I saw, I saw, you know, that type of thing, yeah. so. Totally, yeah. totally like Abbott and Costello. Very, yeah. And very, even he played it with his eyes all big, and you know, and and yeah, uh, it was it was it was overacting on purpose, like just being silly. You could tell yeah. he was trying to make us laugh, and it worked. <laughs> totally, totally. And he has a cool name, uh, Napoleon Boulevard, in this. You know, <laughs> that's cute. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah. Because when he's being interrogated later, they're like Napoleon Boulevard. He goes, "Yeah, I know." Like he's heard it his whole <laughs> life. You know, it's not Napoleon Bonaparte. It's Napoleon Boulevard. You know. Um, yeah, and when they're interrogating him too, they, they're like, "Yeah, she was really stacked or whatever." Really. Oh yeah, yeah, the moves and, and all like, that. I've seen better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's totally just Frank. That's funny. <laughs> so we have, um, so we have the knife thrower gal that dresses Zoro, the statue, um, and she, we see her. She steals the painting, and uh, I have her as uh, she's wearing this like a um, sexy black outfit. And she uh, she knocks out Jess Franco's character. She steals the painting, and then she leaves the um, lipstick mark on the on the wall after she cuts the painting. And at first, you don't know if she's just like a thief, if she's stealing the painting for profit or what. And then later on, you realize that she's stealing the painting because they're investigating a crime of these women that are kidnapped and that. So they're kind of trying to see if this person in the painting they steal that they stole is the person that they're looking for. You know. Um, so then, uh, let's see. Okay, so then we have Franco is questioned by the police, and I've noticed that there the the cops, uh, Inspector Tanner, uh, he has chickens in his office. He has like two chickens in this like cage behind him, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and it's almost like in all Franco's films, the cops are always inept. They're always you know behind the times. Um, I watched the Vengeance of Doctor Mabuse yesterday. And it was funny because Dr. Mabuse and them had high-tech buildings and high-tech things. And the cops drove 30-year-old cars. They had, you know, um, a spaghetti western-type office with an old hat and <laughs> old guns and stuff. And even in this, you know, the cops were old. Or not the, not the inspector, the other guy, but the, the first cops, you know, the chickens in the office. They're real old-fashioned with the women, you know, their ideas. Oh, shoot, this is like you were talking about. And they're just... They're more yeah, every everything that he suggested, Jess was like, no, no, wrong. Like they didn't agree with anything the cop said. The cop was like, oh yeah, she had, it was real full figured, and Jess was like, no, she was really slim. And exactly, you know, it's just like back and forth like that. Like the guy was just like making all these assumptions just out of thin air that were all wrong. And yeah, he 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 loves making fun of cops, which is another reason I love Jess. Cause, yeah, it's funny. You start watching all these films and you start <laughs> seeing the themes, and like all the cops are always in that. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're bumbling and they do everything wrong and everything. Um, except sometimes there's a few good cops here and there in in his films, but they are very rare. And it's usually like a lead character or something. Um, I think he he was a good cop in one of his films, actually, like a good detective or whatever. In a, yeah, 
what was that black and white film? There was oh, one, one of the earlier ones. Maybe he was yeah. doing in uh, Orloff or something. One of the very or... first ones. Yeah, yeah. So then we, so then we have, uh, so then we see the the two red lips gals, um, Regina and Diana, um, and it's cool. So um, Diana uh, Janine Raynond, uh, she was in the film. Um, Necronomicon slash um, Succubus um, right before this, and she's the lead in that, the redheaded gal, you know? Yeah. Um, I still have to watch that one. I haven't watched that yet myself, so I'm looking forward to watching that soon uh, someday. So It's a good one, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, and now I see her, I was like, oh, cool, that's the same gal that's in this. So putting, <laughs> putting everything in order. Um, so, yeah, so we see their apartment, the two women, they have a cool, they have a cool pad. They basically live together. Uh, you see they kind of have like a bachelorette pad. They have all their cool stuff. Um, one yeah, of them I, is... I love how the, when you very first see them, she's giving her an, a naked back massage and just like patting her down, you know? Yeah. Like you're doing the shiatsu on her and all that. Because, <laughs> like, you know, that's just how women are when they're hanging out at home. They're just giving it to their naked massages. That's, that's normal. Yeah, they're talking <laughs> about Paul Newman, how she's going to have a date with Paul Newman coming up. And yeah. Stuff. And it's cool. There's a lot of pop culture references later on. They talk about going to Vegas and they to see the Rat Pack and stuff. And so there's a lot yeah. of cool, like, they have that desire to get away to go to Hollywood and, and Vegas and that. Um, so we have... Um, Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, but before the massage scene, we, we have the red blitz apartment and then uh, Franco is killed by the, the uh, patch character. I, I just kept referring to him as patch at first before we learned his name. The yeah. The eye patch that yeah, goes yeah, over yeah. his ear. Like, did exactly. you notice that the strap goes over I was like, watching ear, that the whole of his ear? Like, yeah. Like what you don't, you just don't hear out of that ear either. Like, what? And it's funny too, because <laughs> that's also such a generic thing. Like I was thinking like, especially in those times, like a guy with a patch is always a bad guy. Like very rarely is a guy with a patch, a good guy. It's like, okay, patch Van Dyke beard. Okay. You're a bad guy. You know? Yeah. It's funny. It's almost like the cliche thing, but, but it does work for this. (laughs) Um, so then we have, uh, Franco kill. Okay. So then we have the black outfit girls in the closet and she sets up a meeting. Um, there's a cool mirror shot in this sequence where she sets up a meeting with Braddock and she interrogates him in his bed with like a flashlight in his face. Yeah. And she makes him write a check really out. Really scary. <laughs> yeah. She's hiding it out. She jumps out and has a flashlight where he can't see. And he writes out check for $25,000. And when they find Lita, then he'll give her the other 25000 And we believe at that point that he's on the up and up and that he's hiring her to find the missing woman. And then later on, we find out that he hired her to have her because she's the one that he wanted double cross exactly um and what's cool about this film is there's information but it's pretty easy to follow there's not like too much information there's not shit that spins you around a bunch of weird ways and stuff you there's a couple double crosses you know toward the end which is typical but it's not it's not hard to follow at least for me i was able to see it all the way through where some of his films recently we've been watching there's like so much they throw and it's hard to and it's not edited right. There's a lot of loose ends, and it's just yeah. yeah you're like, why was that character even there? Yeah, yeah they're introduced <laughs> five minutes before the end, and they're supposed to be important. And you're like, what? You know. Um, so then we have her. Uh, she does the interrogation scene. She takes off. Okay. Then we have the massage scene with the two women, and uh, then we realize that there was models uh, kidnapped and killed. That's a scene I liked. After she gives a massage, she goes. They talk, and they have all these black and white photos of the different models, kind of hanging up in there like 
living room area and all the files and stuff. They have like, so you see that they're working undercover and that they have an operation and they have their whole routine. We kind of learn about how they work and what they do and they're kind of how they talk to each other and their relationship and, and their, yeah, their personalities like, too. I mean, the, the blonde is basically supposed to be the dumb blonde, or at least she wants to, she's like, you know, men like dumb girls. And right. so she's like, you, you kind of can't tell if she's kidding and she's like just playing one or if she kind of, because she does seem to defer to the other woman. Like she's the, the well, she actually even makes a comment that was like, um, oh, when when she's looking at the at the pictures and she says, you know, what does your masculine intellect tell you about that? As oh, though like she call. has a superior masculine intellect, you know, like right. like she's she's more manly, therefore she's has more intellect, you know. Like it was like right, real. Right. I was like, what 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 did you say? Like, <laughs> like I was like, oh. Okay. But also too, I wonder. Then I was like, maybe they're just kidding, you know. Maybe that's like she's joking, you know. It's probably she's just joking, like kind of or, teasing her for being the smart one and her being or, the dumb blonde. Or also too, the <laughs> other one she could be referring to as being a, a lesbian and then thinking her as a masculine intellect in that sixties or 70 <laughs> frame of thinking, like thinking that since she likes women that she's masculine and maybe she has masculine thinking. I don't know. Cause we don't really see her. She's always, the blonde is the one always going out on the dates and that, and the redhead's mostly sleeping in the room and being... Well, she dances with that girl, but then she ditches the girl for a guy. Right, right. And the girl says she can't believe it, so who knows? Right, and then, and then you see when she goes to the club, <laughs> she goes right with the woman, and then you realize that the woman is an agent later on, you know? But, it's, but yeah. that is interesting that she goes with that woman, and it's like this and that. Yeah, so, yeah, I think they're trying to say that without hitting you over the head with it, you know? Okay. Um, that's just my... my interpretation of it you know yeah um so then okay so after that we have uh the chained up statues in the gallery the blonde gal goes undercover as an art buyer and she meets the art director the older guy and uh she has a conversation with him and she's wearing this big kind of bonnet hat and comes in during a gallery and pushes herself through and starts asking i want to see the master i want to see the guy who's doing the show who's the painter who's the painter and she wants to buy a piece and she's trying to go undercover to like get information so then she makes a date with the old guy and she's like, Hey, you know, come on, we'll talk and this and that and stuff. And he, he says something about her having a great body. He goes, Oh, you don't have to have much of imagination to see that you have a great body. He's like, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> is it like, like you could, you could have just been like, yeah, you do. <laughs> Cause you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it was poking right. out of her dress. That dress was like out of control. Exactly. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, about Just Franco, too. He always has such beautiful women in this film. Like, all the women in this film are so beautiful. The blonde gal, the red gal, the Lita, all the people that are kidnapped and stuff. They have just amazing gals in this film. Um, yeah. It's always really nice to watch. Um, so they have the... Um, I don't think the women in this film hold a candle to Lena or Soledad, but yeah. No, I hear you. But yeah. <laughs> but, you know. They definitely. I wouldn't kick them out of bed, you know. No, they're all they're all beautiful <laughs> in their own ways. Um, so yeah, the two red girls, the two red lip girls at home in their bedroom. Uh, they're talking about going to Vegas, seeing the Rat Pack, which I mentioned earlier. And then the art director comes over for a date with her and thinks she's a countess. She goes undercover as a countess, and they they plant um, microphones in like the flower pot. And there's a funny sequence where. She's kind of reminded me of like um, Three's Company later on or something where they're like trying to get information and they have to keep moving the flower pot. Oh, come over here, sit over here. And they have to move everything. And then the gal comes in with the microphone trying to sneak in and like trying to get the conversation because she can't hear what's going on. But before that, um, 
she uh, says, hey, I'm going to make you a drink. And she makes him a drink that consists of rum, olive oil. Olive oil. <laughs> yeah. Rum, olive oil, and whiskey. I've never had that. I was like, yeah, it sounds delicious. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny because he tells her, like, don't make it strong. And then he takes one sip and he's like, whoa. Yeah. He's like, whoa. <laughs> what were you thinking? It straight down. And then she makes another one, you know, and gets yeah. him the ropes. And um, so then we have a cool. Uh, uh, so then, so the, the guy patches outside, and he has a blow dart, and he blows it through the window, which is a funny sequence. How he can stick the straw through the wooden slats and just get a perfect shot, hits the guy right in the neck or the head, or whatever it was. <laughs> um, and then he gets away on a bicycle, which is funny. So he books down the thing, runs down the stairs, doesn't get on a motorcycle, gets on a bicycle, starts pedaling real fast down this like little hill. The two gals come out running with start shooting. And the redhead remarks to the blonde, hey, you weren't doing your cardiovascular exercises this morning or something like that. <laughs> and she's like, oh, like, oh you, if you would have done your exercises, then you would have caught them. And then later on, we see her exercising later on the blonde, like by herself, you know, trying to keep in shape, you know, um, which I thought that's. Because she has to chase a dart, a, a dart blower on a, motor, on a, on a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> she's got to stay in shape. Never know when a dart blower is going to get you. And it's funny too because if you think about it, that guy, that paid her, he had twenty five thousand dollars to like give her and all that stuff. The patch guy later on, we find out and stuff, all that stuff. But he escapes on a fucking bicycle, you know. <laughs> yeah, right? Doesn't have a driver to jump in a car and drive away, and it's just funny too. He's like on this bike and he's like kind of wobbling and shit. It's like it looks goofy, like a kid or something. I just it looks it looks funny to me, you know. But it's yeah. cool. It was different when that's always it's always cool to have a style and be different, you know. Only jazz. Exactly. So then we have. Um, a cool club scene. Uh, we have the sexy dancer on stage on the, she crawls on the floor. She has like a candelabra. I noticed. And that was before Vampiros Lesbos. Um, and then she has a switchblade or a knife on the ground next to her. And, uh, people in the audience are watching and patch guy watches her as well. She's like crawling on the floor. She's wearing like a jacket and she shows a little bit of nudity. Like her jacket's open and she's topless and she's rolling around in that. And then she gets up and and then she uh, talks to him, uh, and I guess she had known him before as a customer or had danced or had modeled for him or something. She knew in him, and um, he invites her over to have drinks, and then he brings her back to his home and takes her up in the attic. Well, while he takes her up in the attic, the werewolf enters and attacks her while he photographs it. Um, that sequence was kind of cool, I thought, you know, because she's all drunk. Yeah. She kind of comes up there, and then the werewolf kind of comes in. Um. And, like around, where are you? Yeah. And then <laughs> going to your death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, but before that, well, uh, when she was talking to the art director, they had mentioned the Beatles. Like he had talked, to, she had mentioned the Beatles talking to him about something. Oh yeah. Oh, do you know them? And she goes, No, I don't. Blah blah blah. And then later on, uh, when we go back to um, the women's house, uh, there's a Beatles painting by her bed. I think it's of Ringo or George or something. Oh. Yeah, again, but there's like a little painting next to her bed that one of them, I guess, had done or then bought or something, you know, uh, which I thought that was kind of cool. I caught that um, while the two women talk. Good eye. Yeah, yeah, I catch that. Um, and then there was a, so then we, after that, we go back to the, now we get introduced to the Flamingo Club and there's a red light sequence in that. We have the second dancer in the cage. That's kind of a famous picture um, in the book I have. Uh, see but that's like one of the main pictures is this oh like, wow you know? that's great yeah <laughs> good sequence you know? yeah 
Where, yeah, the chick uh, dancing in the cage is pretty fun. She's a great dancer. Yeah, she's wearing these silver boots, and uh, it's cool because the cage isn't like metal bars. It's like this bendy kind of a rope. It kind of almost like a bungee rope or something. It kind of like moves, you know, like a bungee cord. And there's like a bunch of those, and you see these guys behind, like in sweater. It kind of slacks, and they're snapping their fingers, and she's yeah. dancing around. All I like how she does that, like, 60s jerky dancing. You know how people kind of used to jerk around when they yeah. dance? Like, I still sometimes see humans who do that, and I always think it's so cool. I'm like, they have, like, a 60s soul or something yeah, coming out. Like, that. It's, it's that yeah. weird jerky it's movement. Thing, you know. but I yeah, see and that. And that's yeah, a really cool sequence. Um, yeah. And then she gets topless in that scene, so there's very little nudity, and it's cool. So that with, especially with the later Franco stuff, where it's just wall to wall nudity, in this film, when there's little bits of nudity, you're like, hey, more like, exciting, yeah, it's like boobies, ooh, yeah. yeah. She's got a nice figure, you know. Oh it's yeah, really yeah, she, stunning. She is. She's she she's another one. Uh, let's see her name. She's um, she's a hottie Bugatti. Yeah, I know. She, she, let me see uh, what she's... And she goes back to him and she's, what is it like? What is it? She says, I'm, I am I'm, I love champagne and I'm French and I want to go be alone with you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> line to like, get back to his places. I was like, I got to try that. Yeah, that's a nice move. Uh, it, was, it was so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so then... Uh, and then during that sequence, when she's dancing, the two Red Lips girls arrive, and the blonde girl um, picks up – let's see what I have here. Oh, yeah, okay. no, Yeah, okay. So then when she's dancing there at the club, that's right. So then the blonde gal comes in, the, the other agent that we don't see, who's just kind of hanging there at the club watching her dance, just not the two red – not the blonde Red Lips gal, but the other blonde gal is just hanging out there. And the red-headed gal comes up, and uh, she picks her up, as we had talked about, a little bit earlier, you know, and she's like, Oh, you've been here before. Oh, I seen you here, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it seems like they kind of know each other and they're kind of like talking in code roundabout way of what they're talking about. And yeah. she talks about, Oh, last week I said this, this, and this or something. And, and we kind of learned that you, they're kind of talking about everything's going on. He's here type of code. They're speaking in code basically. Yeah. They work together. Yeah. And, uh, so then, uh, she says, Oh, uh, and then there's a cool mirror shot there where he's sitting at the table and there's mirrors opposite and he could see the redheaded gal in the mirror in front of him. And so he stops her and talks to her. And then, um, yeah, the mirrors are very Franco. I love that. Yeah. It's really, really cool. The coolness shot. And then he says like, Oh, I'm a painter. And she's like, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a model. And they act like, Oh, well, this is such a coincidence and it's fate. And I'm supposed to meet you and stuff. And she's just hooking him in and bringing him in. Like, okay, you're the one. And she realizes he's the one that they're looking for. And uh, so uh, she agrees to go with him to to her to uh, his place, and there's some cool birds. Yeah, out I, I was like, that's a smart thing to do because she like totally just basically figured out this is the guy. Like you know, you can tell she, unless she's an idiot, and she's supposed to be the smart one. So like, yeah, if, you know, like I mean, <laughs> like you just figured out that this is the murderer, and he's like, want to go back to my place, and she's like, sure, like, right. <laughs> But I she knows. Would not have been like sure. <laughs> but also too, like she uh, and as we find out, the other blonde was an agent. Yeah. So when she she walked over to the table and she says, "Oh," she says, "Oh, this is a friend of mine from a long time ago," yeah. or whatever she says. And so they give her the hint. So then that so then she watches them leave, which we don't know that. But as you go back and think yeah. about it, like, oh, okay, that's where the clues are, you know. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he talks to her, and then they leave together, and then uh, 
there's a spiral staircase shot you see of his in his house and he undresses her and it's really cool he goes oh may i she goes oh go ahead and he just unzips her thing and takes her clothes off it's like all right you know good move <laughs> and uh then all of a sudden then the werewolf guy starts attacking and then all of a sudden franco does this famous out of focus shot and i was like what the fuck <laughs> but it's because there's gas in the room so it's cool he makes it go out of focus and then all the gas fills in and then we see that the uh, blonde-haired gal had, um, uh, let's see, uh, gas attack. Yeah, she escapes the blonde, red lips gal. Uh, they, they save her. And then um, her partner calls police Tanner from the bathtub with the clothespin. I forgot. Yeah. She does that a couple of times. She is hilarious. Yeah, that's one thing she does. She, like, disguise her voice with a clothespin on her nose. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really do too much difference. Yeah, it's like I'm always doing it right now. Like my voice isn't really that much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She does it two or three times. That first time they call her for like she's supposed to be running interference as a secretary. So she puts her nose in here and just talks a little bit like this, and that's like her yeah. disguise. Um, so yeah, it's pretty funny. Your voice, um, but it's cool. Like really. <laughs> yeah. There's a cool sequence where she's sitting the in her bathtub and she's and, and she's calling police Tanner. And uh, she's a clothespin on her nose, and she, and then she tells him to read the letter that she sent him, and it's not anything with the cops. It's like the guy had the letter from her days ago, saying here's who the killer is and stuff, and he just had it sitting on his desk and wouldn't read it. And she had to call yeah. him and say, "Hey man, I gave you something, and it's sitting on your desk right now." Oh, okay. And then he happens to find it and takes it, and then reads it or reads a little bit. Then it cuts to um, him going. That was confusing. Like, how were their kids there already? Like, it just—they're like, this is our place. We live here. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Like, how would there just be kids living there already? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because Tanner's in the back of the car and he reads her letter saying, "Hey, this guy's a, the guy, and here's where he lives." So then he goes to the guy's place, and that's a cool edit there. And then the kids—he's talking to the kids. The dubbing too, the kids sounded weird. It's almost like they were adults. The voices they used for the kids. It's so like, oh, I live here. Well, yeah. Yes, yes, I live here too. And it's like, I don't know, it just sounded like they were teenagers for those little kids. Or right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, so. Like, how do you explain that, though? Like, even if, like, I mean, I don't know. Because, I mean, yeah. a kid wouldn't just say, like, we live here, this is our home if they just moved in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was weird. You know, like, yeah. It was just, it was goofy. I was like, okay, sure, sure, Jess. <laughs> so Moving then, on. So then the two gals figure that out. They hear, oh, shit, they escape, blah, blah, blah. So then they said, hey, man, like, we need to take a vacation. We need to kind of get out of here and, and do what we've got to do. And then in the meantime, they get some flowers. And they guess, oh, they, there's a flowers for you. And she thinks Victoria or somebody gave her some flowers. And then so she takes and she throws the flowers in the pool and it blows up. And there's a bomb because she hears it ticking. Was there a body of water in the background in that scene, by the way? Yeah, because she runs out of the thing, and then she throws it in the swimming yeah, pool. Yeah, on that but, terrace, like, that view out there is so yeah, bomb. Yeah, beautiful. To, you know, but also, to too, that bomb, goes back but... <laughs> to your thinking with the redhead being the smart one because the redhead takes the flowers. She's like, oh, those are mine, the blonde does. And yeah. she's like, there's ticking, there's ticking. And she's like, you know, get the fuck gotta do this i love so, how when the guy delivering it comes to the door and he's like you know here's your flowers and she and he she's like oh of course like what was she she used like some word like well there's a like, kid oh, and oh, the, oh obviously like i, I get flowers because i'm so hot and she's right. like everybody's falling all over me <laughs> and then the kid like makes him like a uh, pass at her, pass says, at her pause it. yeah he goes wow what a dish or what a dame or something and then she's oh yeah well, thanks kid whatever you know and but two before that, I, I forgot to mention, we had the character of um, Vittorio that comes in, I think, before this. The first time I mentioned, I forgot to mention, and he kind of like 
comes into their place and like wants to look around uh, earlier when they have the girl's pictures up on the thing and they're talking about it just after the uh, massage scene the first time. And he says that he's a guy that wants to come in and look at their apartment and that he's supposed to be renting it or some shit. And they kind of walk him around and they. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The hot time. guy. Yeah, yeah. The playboy Victorio. And he, he uses doors. And yeah. like how he kept repeating, like, I, uh, they're like, how did you get in here? He's like, the door. I always use doors. Yeah. <laughs> like telling him to leave, you know, like, we want you to leave by the door. He's like, yes, that's how I, I go. I go through doors. <laughs> yeah, because he's almost a red herring. Like, he doesn't really mean anything. He's just a, a distraction, basically, you know. Yeah. Because so, so, yeah, so the first time he does that, he comes through. And then. Um, he's and so then, cute, the guitarist. <laughs> And then uh, they get the bomb, they blow the bomb and throw the thing. And then after that, we have a um, fucking a, uh, a machine gun attack from the car. Like right after that, when they're laying by the pool, the car drives by and shoots a machine gun at him. They're like, we need to, get, you know, we need to leave. Like, gotta go, gotta go. So then we cut to this cool like uh, street fair scene, and we see these like street peddlers and stuff, and they're selling all these wares and stuff in the street. And then it cuts to that to a beach scene with the two red lips girls, and the blonde has this cool like. Um, suspender straps over her nipples, and she's like topless. Lady. Oh yeah, so the awesome! Craziest bathing suit. Yeah, and you can like, see the boobs and just covers part of her nipple. And that. And the- I didn't find it very attractive to be honest, but it was just kind of awesome that it was so weird and wild. But it, it was kind of you know, I mean, yes, yeah, suspenders. It makes you you know think of a man's body, and, and it's yeah. It was like basically like, it's a strange the- optical illusion to me, but. <laughs> But yeah, it was a really wild fashion statement. <laughs> Plus, like tan lines. Like, why would you wear that in yeah. tanning? Like, that covers your strips on both sides. I mean, I can see it. I mean, they yeah. obviously did it to show her boobs and cover her nipples. <laughs> Side the, boob. Yeah, but but it's just funny the logistics. So then, um, Vittorio <laughs> shows up again, and he like lays down between them, and is like, oh, and he's playing the guitar, and they're like, okay, you're running to him again, you know. And yeah. he's a singer at the restaurant that they go to later on, and he's like playing there and stuff. But um, so then we see, um, uh, yeah, he, he so he calls the blonde, and then we see the two gals in their vacation place where they're staying, and uh, they have the statue with them that they brought, the statue that she had bought of the of the woman. Um, they bring it with them on vacation because the redheaded gal says, "Oh, this is such an investment. I, you know, we paid ten thousand dollars for the statue." We don't want to leave it behind because some people steal it. So they take the statue with them to their vacation place where they're at on vacation. And uh, then we start seeing everybody else start spilling over. We have uh, Inspector Tanner and Inspector um, Malou arrive. And Inspector Malou checks in himself as James Bond is his alias when they check in. And Tanner goes, James Bond? Why would you go as James Bond? You know, and it's like a spy spoof, this film. So it's the, his one of his little... Yeah, yeah it's a, a big giant nod to James Bond. Yeah. They say the name James Bond like 12 times or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, how do you get to call yourself James Bond? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's all like, like, what, what, what? And then, um, so then they have Victoria in the restaurant and uh, Malou arrives. And there's a funny scene where the blonde is on a date with them and she sees Malou and she has to hide under the table. So oh, he doesn't yeah. see her. And then so she sees Inspector Tanner, and then she has to hide under the table again, and she tells him, oh, this drink's really strong. Uh, it's a family tradition after you take a sip to put your head under the table. And like, and my grandma taught me to put my head under the table. Like, okay. Yeah. And he just, like, buys it. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, another funny – like, this film had a lot of comedy, and the comedy made sense to me, and it was cute, and it was funny, and it was actually fit, which I thought was funny. It wasn't 
it wasn't ham handed. It wasn't like corny or nothing. It was, it was cool. I thought it's you know? corny. It is, but, in well, a good but it's way. corny in a good way where it's <laughs> some of Franco's humor is just kind of like, Ugh, you know, but this is actually funny. I was like, okay, it's, it's cute. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of sitcomish, you know, it's like, charming. Yeah. yeah. It's sixties. Totally. Um, so then we have, um, okay. So then while that's going on, when she's on the date with them, uh, the redheaded gal is sleeping and the werewolf crawls into her sleeping room, um, for the statue. So the, the werewolf goes for the statue, but inspector Malou shows up out of nowhere and shoots the red and, uh, um, shoots the, shoots the, um, werewolf. And then he talks to the redhead and says that he was there to see her friend. Cause before that he was looking for her and she says, well, you're a policeman. If you want me, you can find me. So he writes down her license plate number and that was her way of flirting with him. So then, he happens to go on vacation where they're at or is uh, attracting her. If you catch me, you can keep me. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm on that. (laughs) (laughs) So he took her plate down. I was like, okay, here we go. You know, so happened. So luckily for the redheaded gal, he was there. So he shoots at the werewolf. It's funny because he shoots a werewolf. The werewolf takes off and then he just like talks to her. He doesn't like pursue the werewolf that had just attacked her or the guy, whatever, you know, he's just like, okay, See you later. Bye. Yeah, that that scene was really strange to me. I was like, and he's like, you can go back to sleep. Like, I would not go back to sleep if a werewolf had just tried to attack me and then just ran off. Like, yeah, I'd be up looking for him. I'd be moving. I'd be GTFO. Like, I would not be just like, oh well, okay, as long as you scared him off. (laughs) He's sexist. He says he's there to protect the pretty girls. What about everybody else? Yeah. Like, oh, what about that? I mean, I'm on your side. Don't worry. I'm on your <laughs> side. Like I just am hanging out in your bedroom while you're sleeping in case somebody's like gonna get you. That whole scene was just what the. That was so weird. <laughs> so then, <laughs> made no like I was just like if I was that woman, that it's not how I would react to any of that. <laughs> yeah. Like on all sides, like what are you doing here? <laughs> and what are you doing? Like all of it, just all of it. No, I'm out. It was really strange. Yeah, it was funny. Just like so nonchalant, everything. Um, so the two gals get together, and then they uh, they uh, decide that they need to interrogate um, Vittorio, and they like uh, start pouring alcohol in his mouth and like try to get him to tell talk and everything. And then she yeah. makes a remark of all oh, these alcoholics. Like she's like disgusted because he knows <laughs> how to drink. Are terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Alcoholics are terrible. So then they get him kind of drunk, and he's like, I don't know, like who are you working for? And they're trying to figure out who he is or what he does. And I don't know. And he, he was ordered to buy the statue. Cause I jumped over a scene. He did where confess he, it was Tanner. Ten, the, oh, you yeah, know, right, you're right. Tanner. He did say that, but then they were like, but why, what do you, you know, why are yeah. you working? And he's like, I don't know anything else. And so then they just keep filling the funnel full of alcohol and he just passes out. <laughs> yeah. And they pick Great him up work, and walk him to the door. <laughs> Great work undercover angels. You really got a lot. Done there. I know they just got the guy drunk for free, basically, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so then let's see where we at here. Um, so then, uh, okay, so as they're interrogating the alcohol, uh, they're kind of walking him out, and then uh, this they bump the statue, and the statue falls and it breaks, and then they discover that she starts walk, wiping off part of the arm and sees a dead woman's arm. She's like, ugh, and she's like disgusted by it, like, oh, dead woman. She's like, the smell or whatever. And then she says, I'm just going to cover it back up and give it to the guy, and then we'll do the trade and then try to do this, you know. But, uh, yeah, for for having a corpse under the plaster and stuff, she's just kind of like, 
was more grossed out by it than like, oh, here's the clue we've been looking for or nothing. It's funny. Their reactions was kind of odd to this, I thought, you know. Yeah, yeah. It made no sense. (laughs) Yeah. That just, yeah, random. So so then I got, let's see, uh, Tanner Sleeps. Uh, Oh, yeah, so Tanner Sleep in the Room, and they bring in uh, uh, Vittorio. Uh, but the blonde is dressed as Zorro and the redheaded and they dropped uh, drunk Victorio in bed with Tanner and it's funny so he's sleeping and he rolls over and he thinks it's his wife he's like Maria or Mary or something he's like petting him I'm like what and he wakes up and sees him in bed with him all drunk and whatever you know Yeah. Um, let's see so then we have um, then after that um, Inspector Baloo meets the two red the uh, two red lips gals and then here's where uh Spoiler alert, here's where everything starts changing. So then um, they're getting ready to do the trade, um, and um, Patch is there, and uh, the redhead's there to do the trade. She's like, well, I'm, I'm here to meet Radic. And he goes, oh, okay, well, I'm, um, do you want to see Radic? Well, here's, I'll, I'll get Radic for you, whatever. And then he starts, like, taking off the patch, taking off his nose, and taking off his fake Beard, his mustache, peeling everything away. His his eyebrow went first. Yeah, his eyebrow, his patch, and his eyebrow, and his mustache, and all that stuff. So he started taking away the layers of his face, and he realized it was Radic. And then he tells her that, yeah, I I gave you the $25,000 to find this woman, even though we know that he killed her, to try to get her to figure out in the end where he could trap her, and that that would be his masterpiece that he could kill her and film her and paint her and everything and it was all a big ruse just to do that even though you know when she came over his house that first time he could have just like kidnapped her there or followed right her. yeah whatever but it's a film you got to yeah. go through a story as otherwise when he's done in 10 minutes as far as that went yeah i was like you could or you could have just lured her like a normal like all your other kills right but maybe it was because she was like you know uh lesbianist or whatever and so she wasn't going to be into that and so he had to yeah her. <laughs> that's true he had to do this whole manipulation you know the tangled web to get that woman there so uh so then we have uh leah was a bait to get the redhead to him and then morpho attacks her and then we have uh it cuts to the blonde gal and uh, inspector Malou dancing in the bar and they have a conversation and then he tells her that uh the guy lives there at the island the whole time and then a light bulb comes off like in her head when she's dancing with him, like, oh shit, she figures out a clue. So then we see, we cut back to um, the cage shot of the floor. Uh, the redhead's chained up. Oh, there's a cool shot of where there's a cage on the floor. The camera's at, at like a low angle, and you see it kind of go through the cage, show that like he's caging up people. And then the, the redheaded gal is wearing this cool, like, cut out slit dress on her sides. It's kind of yeah, just pulls her back. Nice. Yeah, I she's love, wearing like I love underwear. That have slits in the sides. I think that's like the sexiest thing. It is. It's fucking badass. Yeah, those look really good. Um, so then she has that. Uh, then she's chained up by Radic, and then the blonde girl. Like, so then she has her chained up, and then the werewolf's getting ready to kill. Her, and all of a sudden, the werewolf you hear like a gunshot sound. He just like falls. Then you hear another shot, and then the patch guy is dead. And then the the kind of the doorway opens, and you see the blonde gal hold like a double barrel fucking. Yeah, double barrel shotgun. Yeah, double barrel shotgun point out. And she's like, she orders the um, housekeeper of him to to uh, unchain her, unchain her now. I do what I say. Well, so then she unchains her, and she she unchains her. She karate chops her to the back of the neck, knocks her out. You know. Yeah. 
yeah. gets that extra little touch, like motherfucker. Karate chopped to the back of the neck. Yeah, and then uh, she shoots me, and then Morpheus and Radic, and then the gals leave, and then uh, but they leave a note and saying, "Here, here's almost like Spider Man, you know, courtesy of your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Here's all the bodies piled up. Here's all your clues. We did all your work for you, cops." Funny part I like is when they were taken off, the police drive by and they pass cars. The girls honk the car, the the uh, uh, horns at. I'm like honk honk as they're driving by, like fuck you, you know, how you doing? <laughs> cops pass them and the cops get to there and they find the bodies and they find the note and then they figure out that it's the red lips gals because they leave the red lips on the on the on the note or on the envelope yeah. that we see. Um, and the cops arrive, they find the bodies, the note from the red lips gals, and then it ends with the red lips kiss on the on the uh, letter and it says the end and then it has yep. a cool kind of jazz uh, exit music that plays for a little while and then it fades to black but uh yeah i i, I fucking dug this movie a lot it was a lot better than i had thought it was going to be um growing up over the years seeing the like box art and stuff of it i thought it was didn't look very good but watching it i was really blown away with how cool it was how good of an idea it was and i almost feel inspired to like make my own version of the red lips girls. Like that would be a cool, easy film really to make. Would. Like it's really simple, you know? So I don't the know. Art part would be the fun part to do with that though. I think that you'd want to make that more like centered. I don't, I, I like wanted to see more of it. He would just like fly past a bunch of it. And I'd be like, wait, I'd, like clicking, you know, pause on my, you know, on my notebook to just try to yeah, see all the, see cool the art a little better. Like, Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like that design. And I don't know. Some of the pieces are better than others, but you know, if, if they even have like in the beginning, there's that one where there's the chick just, it's like a real girl and she's sitting in the oh, box. Sitting in like that glass kind of cage. She's glass like sitting cage. Down. Yeah. Yeah. That was really strange, you know, <laughs> having an actual live person pretending. Yeah. And nobody references that. She goes, Oh, she's pretty like snow white. The blonde says when she sees her sitting in the box, yeah, it's like, that's like, a real right, person yeah. in there, you know, what the fuck, you know? So yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that or what? You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it, it, it's so hilarious, actually. Even the way that she addresses the art, like she doesn't even look at it. She just like walks in and she's like, "Oh, this is all wonderful. Where is the master?" And it's like we know that she's just there to like find the master. And I love how she calls him the master instead of the painter, right? But, like, um, but you know, I mean, I guess you could call him that since he's he's not just a painter; he does all the things. So that must be like a you know maestro or whatever is probably right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but yeah. So, but it, it's cool, like how it's it, it, it's it's goofy, really. How she doesn't even look at the art. Like, I mean, if you're trying to sell that you really want to see the artist, maybe like stop for like I don't know, right. Seconds even and look at the art but comment on some brush strokes or something walks past it and says as she's walking past oh that's great look at that and then keeps walking look at that that's great and just keeps walking like she doesn't even stop at any of the art and look at it it's it's like except for the chick who's sitting there and she's like oh you're like snow white and turns and just is like oh i wouldn't want to be tied up like that and that she's just like making offhanded things but not really like and, well, and then like demanding to see the artist. It's just like, you're selling this so hard. <laughs> yeah. And she's very obscene too. Cause she like flashes her money and oh, I'll pay this amount of money, like $10,000. And that's back in that time too. It's like, really? Wow. That's a lot of, you know, and you know, yeah, just great. Undercover it's crazy. Excellent undercover work, you know, like nobody would suspect. <laughs> 
But she's almost like the ugly American too, where she comes in there real full of herself and wants to buy everybody and just I don't care. It's his mom. Yeah, they're all laughing at her too. Like yeah. they're all just like look like think she's ridiculous. It's the whole thing is so silly. But she's supposed to be the dumb blonde, so yeah. Yeah, and, and she's very intelligent because she works all these people and she knows how to manipulate these people and get all this information. And she has all this money at her disposal, and you know she's totally, totally independent, and, and you know, and she enjoys what she enjoys, and she takes love and people as it comes, and you know that's that's the perfect Jess Franco character, you know, is like her <laughs> character, and that's his archetype where he he pays more attention to the female leads than male leads, and any film that like say Attack of the Robots or other ones where it's a lot of male spy stuff, they're okay, but when it's the women playing the the leads, he he tends to give them cooler characters and adds adds more yeah, to them. I think cool. you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so no, I I, I definitely enjoyed this. Uh, I'm gonna go back later and watch the um, Bios Rojos, and then maybe watch Kiss Me Monster eventually. But uh, this one is supposedly the best of the three, so I don't know. It's okay. probably cool to watch this one and then kind of know what to expect with the other two, but. You know. I mean, like I showed you when I posted up on Letterboxd when I first watched this film, like last year, um, somebody commented saying, you have to watch Kiss Me Monster, like as if it was better. So who knows, yeah. you know, I the beholder, you never know. Some people tell you like, oh, this is the best one, but then you watch it and you never know what you're Oh yeah, exactly. You make your own interpretation because there's stuff that I've read in this book where they, like for instance, they don't really like um, she killed in ecstasy as much, and like that's one of my like top five favorite Franco films is that film. The first so I'm like, guess I, just film I ever saw. Oh, okay, and, yeah. You know, now I've gone down the rabbit hole, so that that shows what that how good that first film is. Yeah, <laughs> and I, had seen, I was like, I need to watch more of this. <laughs> yeah, and with that film, I had seen a bunch before that, but that was the one that really hooked me. That made me like start buying like all of his films and start figuring them out and buying and researching. It was like that film hooked me because. It's similar to films that I've made throughout my filmmaking career over like the 10, 12 years. So that really like, wow, this is like a movie I made or can make. And so then made me go, well, shit, you know, and then I started jumping down that rabbit hole as well. And then, you know, cool. yeah, it's fucking been awesome down the hole. So I enjoy it. You do. Yeah. I really want to see one of your films. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, after this, uh, I'll get your address and stuff and uh, I'll send you some stuff if you'd like, you know, definitely f- for sure, for sure. So cool. Cool. Oh, cool. Well, cool. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, so, yeah, uh, I give it a recommendation, and I think you rec- like it as well, I would assume. Yes, it's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I for the record, I do prefer the later, more sleazier uh, Jess. That is my forte. I like the um, yeah. Lena. Lena's my girl. And also, too, <laughs> uh, you had remarked, the same as the author had remarked about the title, Saddest Erotic uh, oh, yeah. erotica, where if you read that title, it's kind of a letdown because there's not a lot of sadism or erotica in this. So, status erotica is probably, yeah, you know, yeah. I put it on thinking, it. oh, just Franco titled status erotica, that'll be sexy times. And then it was like, nope, this is a silly, campy 60s film. Yeah, so, too, like, it's a, I think, it's a James Bond spy film, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like either, uh, but it's so they, great, I didn't turn it off, you know. <laughs> They have it listed different titles as uh, the Spanish is uh, the case of the two beauties. Um, the German is red lips, sadist erotica. And then uh, U.S. theatrical poster is sadist erotica. And uh, the German video one is the wolf because they focus on the wolf character, you know, the wolf man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the U.S. DVD is two undercover angels is the U.S. DVD of that. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think, uh, 
Case of the Two Beauties, I don't know. A Red Lips, Sadist Erotica, I think is good, or um, Two Undercover Angels, I think is better than just straight Sadist Erotica, you know? Because that's, I think Sadist Erotica too is like Succubus or um, Necronomicon. He kind of was writing on that kind of thing, and that was a film right before this. So, you know, it's Sadist Erotica sounds like Necronomicon or Succubus, like that same type of yeah like title frame and you know you think you're going to see that type of film again you know but it really wasn't you know but so that anyways yes yeah you kind of have to like put those things out for people to kind of like lure them in if they don't know like oh okay i remember that title and then you go see it and it's like you know, always trying to make a buck you know yeah that's <laughs> the way you do it so all right well uh yeah it was cool i i'm, I'm glad you um uh hit me up and I volunteered to be on this episode. I'm glad you volunteered to uh, watch um, Sadis Erotica. I'm, I'm glad I watched it. Maybe watch something that I didn't plan on watching. And I'm really glad I watched it because it inspired me. And uh, it's always good to get inspired by art and films and that good shit. So, you know. Absolutely. So. The art in the films. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, you can find us at uh, Franco Observer at Yahoo.com. We got a Facebook page and an Instagram page at Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, check us out there. We add uh, updates on episodes dropping every Wednesday. And then we did an occasional one for uh, Franco um, Memorial Day on uh, April 2nd. Did the one on that um, with Collie as well. So it was a good coincidence you were on that episode, Cries of Pleasure, which is a fucking awesome film yes. uh that's another one you picked that turned me on to that so thank you on that as well again so that's cool so um all right i bid you all farewell goodbye cheers, cheers.